Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Hey, so uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, let me introduce some folks to you. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. This is my wife, Kelly, far left. My, my left, your right. Uh, this is Cecily Four. Um, you'll, you'll meet them here in just a minute. Uh, we're in a series as a church called Can I Get a Witness? And it's a little bit different um, than what we would normally do on Sunday mornings. Normally, man, we crack open the, the Word of God and dig in and digest and allow God's Word and God's Spirit to transform us, and we go out different people. Um, but this morning and for the next few weeks, we started last week, um, but we're continuing today to celebrate our journeys, celebrate God reaching out to rescue us. And you'll find for Kelly and I today, reaching down to rescue us. And um, so we're here to talk about that today. You'll be hearing our journeys. You know, all of us are unique people, are we not? There's no other us than us. So in some ways, our journeys are all different, but all of us are people. So in some ways, our journeys have really strong similarities. So maybe our prayer today is that you'll find in our journeys maybe similarities to your own. Maybe you'll find a place to connect. You say, you know what? I, I, I connect with that. I, I can relate. Or maybe you'll find in our journeys similarities to someone who you know. Maybe someone who you would love to also know Jesus. That maybe your heart's gone out to them and you think, man, their journey sounds a lot like that journey. So maybe along the way... Uh, you'll be able to pick up some things that you can connect with. Um, Cecily Four, Cecily, you can come on up. Cecily is someone who is uh, precious to Kelly and I, and she's a member of the Reach Life Covenant family. And she's written a poem. She's a, a, a poet and lyricist and awesome, awesome person. Uh, she's written a poem uh, that I thought she she came to me to. Oh, she came to me and said, hey, I wrote a poem. You want to hear it? And she read it, and I thought, man, when Kelly and I share our stories, I want Cecily to read that poem. So we think it goes really well. It's called How Can It Be? And Cecily's going to read it for you. So this is a poem about just how we all go through life, and there's moments where we kind of question if God's really there. So it's called How Can It Be? How can it be that the creator that created us in his own beauty how my bad. How can it be that the creator that created the stars created us in his own beauty? How can it be that the all powerful and almighty creator came and died for us? How can a holy God love us when we are all messed up and broken inside? How can it be that he came and set us free from these chains of lies inside of us and these broken bones of sin that we all try to hide? How can it be? How can it be that the Creator created us so much more than just people? When He created us for a purpose, He shows us that we matter. How can it be that He calls us sons and daughters, even though we're all sinners? How can it be that He knows us better than ourselves? How can it be that even though we are all wrapped up in our sins, even in the darkest hours, somehow He keeps His arms wide open for all of us? How can it be? How can it be that I've... How can it be that when I feel like I'm walking alone, blinded by these lies of lies, somehow you lead me through? 
How can it be? We don't deserve him, but somehow he wants us and cares for us. We are his sheep, and he shall protect us as long as we follow. How can it be that God sent his one and only son to die for the sinners of this world, and that one day we'll be in the presence of the Lord? How can it be? Man, we, we praise the Lord for Cecily and, and for that word. So, um, like uh, many of you, Kelly and I are amazed at the work of the Lord in our, in our lives. Um, and we thought that that poem went, went really well. Um, so we want to share with you our journey. And I'm going to uh, let Kelly go first. And as the title of our time together indicates, Grace Along a Crooked Path, you're going to see that our paths have been crooked, but that grace has been sufficient for our paths. So Kelly, will you come and, and share with us? Oh, Mike. Okay. Morning. <laughs> Cecily showing me up. As we do life together as a church family, we start to get to know about how we spend our weekends, where we work, maybe where we grew up, what our families look like. But I know for myself, I tend to picture everybody as having been followers of Christ since they were little kids. It wasn't my story, and it probably isn't the story of a lot of you. This morning, we continue a series of personal testimonies, so you get to hear my story today. My parents grew up in Christian households, so as they raised my sister and me, they carried this influence into our lives. My mom was supportive of a neighborhood babysitter taking us to Bible school classes when I was in second grade. My dad cussed his way out of the church parking lot every Christmas and Easter-ish. And my stepmom made sure that we prayed before dinner and she served fish sticks instead of meat on Fridays. If you're Catholic, that actually makes sense to you, sort of. <laughs> when I began high school, my dad and stepmom felt a responsibility to provide some type of religious background, so we went church shopping. Um, and we ended up at a local Methodist church. They enrolled me in the confirmation class, which was a year of focused study to uh, teach students the core beliefs of Christianity and the background of the Methodist church. At the end of that year, we could choose to be confirmed as adults um, in the congregation, and I did that. Throughout my high school years, I was really active in that youth group. Um, I served on the youth council and sang in the choir and really attended every event that they had. We learned Bible stories, played a lot of fun games, and bonded at retreats. I found friendships at our church, and I felt really connected, which was important to me um, as a pretty shy kid. Like, shy, really. <laughs> as a family, we all became regular church attenders. Over Sunday brunch, we'd make general comments about whether the sermon was easy or hard to follow, whether the songs were easy or hard to sing, just real surface things, but we never talked about if the message affected us personally or if we felt convicted by something or encouraged by something from the pulpit. 
I think for my parents, it really wasn't something that they ever grew up doing, so it didn't feel comfortable or natural for them to do that. And to this day, really, it's still uncomfortable for me to talk with my parents about anything below that real surface level of faith. Looking back, there really is a ton that I appreciate about that time at church. The youth group leaders really loved us and cared for us. They provided us a safe place for us to grow and learn about God, encourage each other to live ethically and treat people with compassion. There are other aspects, though, that I wish had been different than they were. The early chapters of Genesis were presented by our ministers as allegory only, um, just a fictional story to represent man's fall from God. And at that time, it didn't bother me much, but it really came to play a, a larger role in my years to come. Overall, we did learn a lot, but we weren't very equipped to think critically about our own beliefs or about the beliefs of others. Um, I remember that our high school offered a comparative religions class, but we were really afraid of it because one of the really committed members of our youth group took that class and it, it shook his faith and he um, started to doubt and question his beliefs. Well, to see that affect somebody that we knew so well in that kind of way um, kind of frightened us and we didn't want to be doubting our faith too, so we just avoided the class. Well, after graduation, I went off to college and right away I joined a sorority and I uh, started participating in both of the Christian campus groups. My freshman year, I took mostly core classes. I started a few in my major, special education. It was my coursework to become a school teacher that steered me from believing that the Bible was true. Child development class taught how infant reflexes met the needs of our ape-like ancestors, Biology class seemed to comfortably explain, or at least assume, physical origins completely without God. Mythology class represented the Bible as ignorant fables made up by pre-scientific people to explain the world's mysteries. Lifespan human development taught that morals are relative and they change based on whatever's necessary for the continuation of a society. Educational philosophy class explained that the Big Bang provided complete explanation for origins so that tacking God on at the beginning prior to that was an unnecessary extra explanation. By the end of my first semester freshman year, I dropped out of both Christian campus groups and by the end of my first year of college, um, I told my parents that I was an atheist. They were shocked and they were a little upset, which really shocked me since they hadn't ever really indicated that God was important to them personally in their daily lives. Well, during the remainder of my college years, I retained some friendships from the Christian campus groups. They loved me and they tried to witness to me. They'd ask why I was an atheist and respond to my explanations with, yeah, but don't you have like a, a God-shaped hole in your heart? Well, I know now what they meant my life would be flat and hollow without my relationship with Christ. But at the time, I had no reference point. It would have been like asking me if I had a, a YouTube or Facebook-shaped hole in my life, when most of us at the time didn't know what email was yet. There was a day. Or maybe like my parents' generation watching black and white TV, 
they weren't disappointed it wasn't in color. They had never seen color TV yet. Well, I hadn't experienced life in color, so I didn't feel like anything was missing as I lived in black and white. My Christian friends were discouraged to find that I didn't feel this God-shaped hole in my heart, and at that point, they hit a witnessing wall. They just didn't know where to go from there. Well, a few years after graduation, I moved here to Asheville to teach school, and then later left the city schools to work in insurance sales. My clients often asked what church I went to and heavily pushed me to attend their services. I couldn't find a good reason to show up at a church since I was an atheist, and it would have felt pretty disingenuous to sit in the pews knowing that I really didn't believe anything that was going on in there. So instead, I did my best to just completely avoid telling them I was an atheist at all. Um, And it really seemed to disturb people, Um, sometimes even as much as if I told them, you know, like I tortured puppies for fun or something, you know, like atheist evil. Uh, So... Um, and, and I really, I really started to resent the clients that seemed to make church attendance a condition of doing business with me or a condition of buying my insurance policy. Um, one couple even had me show up at their church cookout to sign the insurance contract. (laughs) Yeah. They kept delaying the signing until I had like eaten my weight in potato salad and Laurel Lynn barbecue chips. (laughs) And And I hated just that feeling of feeling manipulated by Christians. Again, really well-meaning, and they were well-intentioned, but it just felt um, kind of some pressure and and odd um, for me. Well, so I started lying and telling people I went to First Presbyterian downtown, which I had been to like twice, so kind (laughs) of... I think about some of the ways that my life declined during my years as an atheist. I was still generally a nice person. I mostly lived by a set of moral standards that were heavily borrowed from and influenced by Christianity. But I didn't treat myself well. I didn't have a lot of respect for myself, and I didn't expect it from others. I also had a lot of self-destructive behaviors. I was out drinking and driving most nights of the week. There wasn't anything to anchor my value to as a person. And no purpose beyond being good at my job or being a good friend. I mean, what else is there if you're just here on earth to spend time until you die and decompose? Well, one of my coworkers at the insurance company started engaging me in conversations about what I believed and why I believed it. We developed a friendship and for months drifted into conversations that sorted through the logic, or lack of logic in my case, of our beliefs. I got defensive pretty often and confrontational. And as my patched together worldview became exposed, I'd lash out sometimes with sarcasm or some snide remarks. Um, I probably wasn't real delightful to be around in some of those conversations. Um, But there was a good foundation of of trust and friendship, so we were able to have some of those conversations in that way. I eventually discovered that I really didn't have much more reasons for becoming an atheist in college than I had for becoming a church attender in high school. I had just real casually picked up these worldviews without thinking deeply about any of them. 
Well, my friend explained how and why Christianity formed the foundations of his beliefs in all realms of life, uh, biology and uh, geology, philosophy, um, history, morality, this all-encompassing worldview that fit together. I found that my beliefs didn't adequately explain the world around me or human nature, what I saw in myself and other people. I mean, it really didn't explain it by a long shot. It's very far. So at this point, I really got to where I was searching honestly. I was searching regularly, uh, listening to sermons on the radio as I drove around for work. And on Sundays, I was finally attending church services. I eventually got to the point where I realized I had stalled out sitting on the fence between ideas. I was at this decision point um, and was really wrestling with the gravity of that decision. Twice, I actually got up and walked out of a service during an altar call, which was mortifying. (laughs) Um, You know, I'd never have exhaustive knowledge about any belief system. I mean, you just can't know everything about everything. The real question was, did I understand enough to identify which one corresponded best with the world around me, with human nature, with what I saw? I realized that I did know which one did, absolutely. I knew that God existed and that there was a strong foundation for believing that the Bible was his word. In 2001, I finally walked up to the front of the church during the altar call and committed my life to Christ. My next step, of course, was to ask, well, if an all-powerful God exists and that God made me, then he probably has some opinions about how I live my life. It led me on a path that I'm on today to know him and to become more Christ-like. For those of you who are wondering, yes, I did marry that coworker from the insurance company. (laughs) He continues to challenge and encourage me in my walk with the Lord. My life has changed significantly since deciding to follow Christ. I'm now secure and confident in my beliefs. I'm not afraid to encounter a religious system that's different from my own. I've learned how to critically analyze both what I believe and what others believe. And I find joy in discovering, without surprise, that God's word holds true every time. In fact, it has strengthened my faith to be willing to look at things. I've also learned to have conversations with people who follow other religious systems, including atheism. Sometimes I invite people to worship service, but I know that I shouldn't rely on pastors to be the only ones to be witnesses. God expects me to be a witness too, not just deliver people to church pews or chairs. I treat people respectfully We talk, I ask questions, I challenge them to think and examine what they believe, and I'm patient. I don't make many decisions emotionally, and I don't push them to, and I don't pressure others to encourage them to follow Christ in a way that treats him like a life enhancement technique. 
We reason together, and I pray that the Holy Spirit guides them to follow God as he is because he's real. Maybe some of you have doubts about a faith that you took for granted since you were a little kid. Or maybe Christianity is altogether new to you, or somewhere in between. My hope today is that you take courage and honestly search for truth. It isn't easy, but he wants to be found by you and is worth every bit of the journey. Amen, you're dismissed, I guess. Thank you, babe. Um, it's a fantastic job. Um, my name's Terry. I wasn't born in Chicago like Kelly. You can probably tell by the way I talk. I'm from that 828. Anybody else? Uh, right? So back, back then, for me, it was a 704. Wasn't it? Right? 704 back in the day. Uh, so I was, I was raised um, over in Oakley. Raised by my... Uh, anybody else from Oakley? No. Listen, it's hard to get out. I made it. It's hard to get out. It's hard to get out. I made it like to West Asheville, right? So... Um, so uh, I, was, I was raised uh, by my mother, by herself. My dad left uh, when I was two, and they got a divorce officially when I was six. And so dad, you know, chose not to be around um, my mom or, or I. And so, but thankfully, my mom felt a real need to raise me in a church environment. Um, I had, if, you, if you've been raised in church, you may know this phrase. I had what's called a drug problem as a kid. I was drugged to church every time the door was open, and, and that was me, man. Like, if the door was open, we were going to be there, and my mom was super faithful in that. Like Kelly, um, you know, we were very active. Uh, our church environments were, were a little different, um, but this goes to show that, you know, we, we tend to think if somebody's, like, in church, they're okay, don't we? Hey, I see you on Sundays. You see me on Sundays, and we're good, right? We're good. I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You're good. I'm good. I'm good. Right. And we think everybody's everybody's good. Um, so, my, but my church environment was different than Kelly's. Um, they, uh, to be sure, they loved my mom uh, and me very well. They really did. They were amazing. And some of my favorite people in all of life to this day are from that congregation. And uh, so they were fantastic. I've got great memories. Um, from them. They had a lot of zeal for God, a lot of enthusiasm about the Lord, and that kind of rubbed off on me as a kid. We were encouraged to memorize Scripture, and I was um, I, I did that a lot. We were taught the good news about Jesus really plainly and clearly. I understood the gospel as a kid. We were actually taught that the Bible's real history. Um, I actually began teaching the Bible as a, as a kid early on, but I want you to hear something. I was never taught why I could trust the Bible. I was taught that I can, but I wasn't taught why. I, can you see the difference? I wasn't taught why. And so for me personally, I, my personality is, is I'm, you make it be able to tell I'm a nerd. Um, I'm okay with that. Um, but I'm very uh, analytical and critical and skeptical, and so I need to know why. You know, I've, I'm always asking, well, how, why or how or, 
you know, I need to know these things. I'm, I'm looking for something to hang my life on, right? Well, I, I want to know. And so I had questions um, as, a, as a church or for my church. Uh, but in my church, the way that, although they taught those things is true, the way they would say that we can know they're true is by our next experience or emotion with or about God. Right, so God would have us feel this certain thing or experience this certain thing, and therefore we could know God was there. How many of you know that your, your experiences and feelings are easily, they're very subjective? I mean, Kelly and I plan on going to Florida in a few weeks, and they've got a whole tourist industry built on crafting an experience <laughs> that manipulates your emotions. This is what movies do, right? It's not what the truth is supposed to do. Um, so I was confused. Um, I needed to know why or how. So I had some questions. I went to my pastor and church members and family members, and the response, again, was like, we love you. You know, you just you need to trust God more. You need to have just have more faith. God's going to show himself to you. Don't worry about those things. And um, I, I got no answers for the why questions or the how questions or those sorts of things from the church, but I got all kinds of answers elsewhere. Like Kelly, I, I learned like a naturalistic version of how humans came to be in elementary school, right? I started getting indoctrinated. I'm sorry, uh, I learned that. They taught me that in elementary school uh, from, from way early on, right? And so I, I had some questions, and they gave me those kinds of answers. None of them were like, biblical Christian answers. So there was this, this real struggle for me, even as a kid, to, to match what I felt in my heart. I had great feelings about God, and I loved Jesus, and, um, but it was, it was broken in my head. It didn't make any sense anymore. Um, so I, had, I, was, I was just confused. And so by like junior high school, uh, junior high, talking like Kelly now, middle school is how we say it around here. In middle school... Um, I was, was, was pretty jaded and, and confused. So, and I hid all of my doubts and my questions. I began to hide them from everybody. So I had begin, had begun to doubt the Bible and began to doubt the gospel. And behind the scenes, I, my mom would try to bring me scripture. She would post scripture on my, on my wall and, and I would go to her to tell her I, that stuff's not true. But my mom was the only person I would tell that. Um, I, I hid it. Uh, from from most people, um, so all my church people and friends thought I was okay. In fact, I was like the Christian kid to them. I had like this this double double life going on. I wanted people to think a certain thing about me. I didn't want to hurt their feelings, and I didn't want to have them view me in some kind of weird way. Um, so I just let them think what they wanted to think. Um, so. I decided by about my junior year of high school, I was um, I just I, I wasn't going to do the whole church thing. I was like tired of putting that on, and I wasn't going to tell them any different. I just wasn't going to be around. I was going to kind of check out and check out. I did, and um, thankfully during that time though, around um, senior junior or senior year of high school, first year after that, God began to stir into me. A, a desire again to, okay, you say you want to know the truth. What if it's really there? What if you really can know um, the truth? 
And so I can look back now and see that that was God kind of stirring in me. Um, but at this point, I was angry, and I had begun to... How many of you... Now, this, this is real talk right here. Don't raise your hands. <laughs> um, because it's embarrassing for me to say. It may be embarrassing for you to raise your hand. How many of you, when you... Um, no, you're doing things that you should not do. Somehow feel like in your mind, if I just do them more and quicker and don't think about it, eventually my conscience will shut up. You ever been there? Right? I see lots of eyebrows like, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we do. If I just keep doing it and I dive into it and I don't think too much, I don't hear anything contrary to it, I just do it then I'll be okay. And that's, that's where I was, making really dumb, dumb, dumb life decisions looking back. Um, but I was angry. I felt like somebody had lied to me. It was either the church I grew up in or the, these voices I had heard now. I didn't know what to, what to believe or what to hang my life on. And so I had begun to think that this search for truth wasn't worth it. And in that, it got really dark. And when things are really dark and life gets rough, you get really dark. And I was really dark. Uh, again, if you had asked my friends, Terry's good. Terry's good. He's good. I was not good. I was not okay. And I had begun to wonder if not only the search of truth's not worth it, but maybe life's not worth it is where I was at the time. But again, God had begun uh, to stir in me. So I, about for the next seven years, uh, from about 16 to 23, um, I, had, um, I went on a quest. I believe God took me on a quest to find the truth, and he was ultimately bringing me around to himself. Um, you know, I, again, I had been taught like a naturalistic uh, way of, of that humans had come to be, and I had, had bought into that, but I'd still kind of believed, you know, but I think I'm more than molecules. I think there's like a soul or something. Like, I think I'm more than that. So I tried to find, Kelly went the atheistic route. I went like the spirituality route, Right? We're like Asheville, like I'm spiritual but not religious, that kind of thing. So I'm from the, the, the OG Asheville, but I was thinking like the new school Asheville, right? So uh, that's where I was. Um, and so I began to look into Eastern religions like Taoism uh, and Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, things like that, and, and like pseudoscience from people like Carl Sagan who, who are scientists but they make philosophical claims. Like a, Somebody like that today would be like Deepak Chopra. Or somebody like that, Oprah Winfrey, somebody like that. No, she's not a scientist. And you get a car, and you get a car. But she, sorry. I have like mental Tourette's sometimes, and it just comes out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, Kelly. She's just so professional up here, and then, and then the pastor gets up and just. So, but anyway, that's where I was. So I began to think things like, you know, I was still like 40% Christianity in my thinking. Right? There was still like God out there and had this concept of good and bad. But I began to think like, okay, cool. so maybe if God's there, maybe like the universe is God's body and our souls is God's soul and we are moving back toward our true selves, which is God. That's where I, I was beginning to like, and you would think, how does that go with Christianity, right? But we all know people and maybe some of us have ideas in our head, hold things in our heart that do not match. And if we stopped and think about think thinked, if we stopped and thought about it long enough, we would see, you know, I'm I'm living like this double life that does not go together. 
These two things cannot be true at the same time, and um, I'm kind of fooling myself. So that's why we don't think about it, right? We just choose things to believe, and we get arrogant about it. Kelly, Kelly said she was an outspoken atheist. She was. She was like, hey, I don't believe in your the, the man with the big white beard in the sky, and you know, I'm like, I, I don't either. That's great. You know, that's not a God I believe in either. Um, but I was arrogant about my beliefs. I thought the people in the church that I grew up in were now stupid. And I'm a little more enlightened, right, is where, is where I was. But I was actually in, in, in the dark. But this initially, this view of, you know, I can kind of take the grocery store approach, and I like a little of this religion, I like a little of that worldview, and I like this idea, and my little shopping cart, and I can go home and cook my, my belief soup. And it's got spaghetti and boiled eggs and jello and like molasses and peanuts and rubber and and that's my little stew though, man. And I'm gonna drink it and I'm proud of it, man. I'm arrogant about it. It's just things that just don't go together. But here I was, man. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. It feels right to me. And see, remember, growing up, I was taught to go to learn what truth is by what feels right to me. What do I experience? How do I feel? And so that, I said, well, this is what I'm experiencing right now, and this feels right to me. I like it. Well, I, like it. I liked it because I made it, right? I made it after what I preferred. Most of us don't prefer broccoli. We prefer chocolate cake. If you only eat chocolate cake, it's going to kill you. <laughs> Broccoli's good for you, Right? Um, so if we make things that we only like, it, it, it's deadly. So anyway, that's where I was. And again, I'll tell you, if some of you are watching on YouTube, or, or even if you're here today and you knew me from the ages of 16 to about 23, these what I'm saying may shock you. It's because I hit it. I had this, like, hurricane of emotions going on inside my body, inside my soul that I didn't know what to do with. And I didn't want to talk to anybody else about it. They tried to convince me otherwise, so I just didn't tell anybody. I didn't want them to think bad of me, so I'm just not going to talk about it. So I want to encourage you here today. You may have that same sort of tempest going on in your soul. I don't, man, I, you know, I'm thinking all kinds of stuff, and I don't know what to do. Man, save yourself some pain. I'd love to talk with you. I mean, really, to help you think about these things. And, and, but anyway, along that time, about halfway through, God began to send other books and ideas to me. He sent me people like C.S. Lewis, who had a background like mine. He had made up a bunch of stuff and started to believe this nasty soup of things. But he's, he was like the most brilliant guy I'd ever read, and he was shooting that worldview down. And I was like, whoa, what do I do with that? And then the Lord sent me people like Francis Schaeffer who said, hey, you're, you've made up this morality of your own. You're like diving into it. But if you, if you live it consistently, it'll fall apart. In other words, I thought I need to be a good person. But I also thought that I could treat my own body and other people's bodies however I wanted. Right? I was trying to live both of those things. But I can't at the same time. I can't say I'm a good person and live like that. And I can't say it's wrong for somebody else to do something like that, but slightly different than mine, but mine is right next to theirs, and I think that's okay. You know what I mean? So that's where I was, and God was challenging me. God sent me people like Josh McDowell, who was showing me, hey, you can trust the Bible, like to the letter, 
And it's, it'll hold up including the account of Jesus' identity and resurrection from the dead. And so God now was like, Terry, you really searching? Are you searching? I'm sending you new things now. Are you willing to look? Are you willing to look? And so I was, again, being shaken, but God was doing the shaking this time. At the foundation, um, Deuteronomy chapter 4 says this. Um, it's about how God deals with his people. And this is about the nation of Israel when they rejected God. But I think God's nature is consistent. So we can learn something about this, about us. He says this in Deuteronomy chapter 4, 27 through 29. It says, the Lord will scatter you among the peoples. You will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord drives you. There you will serve gods, the work of man's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. Listen to this. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. See, God had allowed me, God had like put a tether on me and said, you can run wherever you want. It's amazing. God was not intimidated by my questions. God was not threatened by my doubting. He says, you want to doubt? Okay. But I'm going to walk right with you and I'm going to challenge you to doubt what you think you now know. Not just the Christianity that you were raised. Are you willing to doubt this This. This worldview you've made for yourself, are you willing to doubt that? And so God began to, to row, pull the rope in. <laughs> um, he's gracious enough to show us who he is if we'll seek him. John chapter 14, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus showed me the way. It's him. He who is the truth showed me himself. He who is the life gave me new and everlasting life. God wants to be found by you. If you are seeking God, if you are seeking truth, it's because he has sought you. You didn't initiate this thing. You didn't come up with the idea of finding God. God is searching for you. And so this idea that you have, I want, okay, maybe you're sitting out there today and you're like, I need, I, there's something in my soul that I want to know what's real. I want to know what to hang my life on. I want to know something that when life shakes me around, I've got an anchor, not just because I feel good about it, because it's actually there. If that is in your heart, in your mind, I'm telling you God himself has put it there and wants you to pursue it. And he says, if you seek me, if you honor and I'm going to keep it a whole buck. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to find God? You don't answer it too quick. You may say, yeah, I'm willing. Wait, are you willing, willing to find God? Not God as you want God to be. Not God as you, you know, your little grocery store approach, pick and choose. Yeah, maybe there's a God or maybe there's not a God. Maybe I'm God or maybe if there's no God, I call my own rules. Wait a minute. If God's there, are you willing to know him? Because he says, legit, if you want to, you will. There's no failure on God's part. If you want to know God, you'll know God. Because he wants you to know him, right? And, I, and I'm telling you, I would love to talk more with you about that. Um, save yourself some pain, okay? 
You don't have to search for seven and a half years and come to the, the uh, despair of life itself like I did. I don't want you to. God doesn't want you to. You don't have to. you got a, like a family of people here that say, hey, come talk to us, right? So my question to you today is, can God save anyone? He can. My path and Kelly's path has been crooked. God's grace has been sufficient on it. Maybe you found something that you can relate to in there yourself. Um, I want to say something uh, real quickly. I want to point out that since I've become a, a disciple of Jesus, my life has not been great. I'm just being real. I actually, at the time when I wasn't a Christian and I was out there making up my own stuff, thought that life was hard. But I was uh, 19, 20, full health, felt great, uh, still lived at home, had no bills, and in uh, 1994 made $15 an hour with no bills, and uh, I was good. Life was fine. I thought it was like super hard then, and even in that situation, that worldview that I had made for myself couldn't hold me up. Even in like the ideal scenario, life's honeymoon period, right? I couldn't make it because I wasn't grounding my life in the truth. Let me tell you how life is now. Many of you know that I still deal with some pretty significant struggles from a, a, a nasty brain injury from about five and a half years ago. And uh, it's brutal. <laughs> um, and I now have on top of that some weird neuromuscular things that um, they're still trying to diagnose. And I, I'm here to tell you, my life is exponentially more difficult now as a Christian than it was before when I was not a Christian. But my soul's different. My soul's different. My whole perspective has changed. And it's a perspective that's true. It can hold me. It's an anchor. I don't despair anymore. I have like real hope. I actually have joy in the absolute worst times. Kelly can tell you, it gets, I, I had a terrible night last night. I was yelling out in pain and could not lay down last night. And I'm stoked to be here today. <laughs> right? So it's not, I'm not telling you, like Kelly said, Jesus is not like life enhancement. Everything's going to be perfect. Jesus will make you holy. He'll make you right before God. He will give you like real meaning and purpose. That makes all the difference, man. He makes all the difference. You want to live? He'll let you live. He'll make you really live.